Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Believe in Badger Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by betonline.ag. I'm your host, Matt Perkins, and on today's special two-part episode, we'll start with an interview from 2021 quarterback commit Deacon Hill of Santa Barbara, California, and we'll follow that up with a preview of the Wisconsin-Iowa game with Big Ten and Counting blogger Josh Cook. Deacon and I spent a little bit of time talking about his experience in high school and growing up in a very athletic family, what he's looking forward to at Wisconsin and more. And then Josh and I delve into the nitty gritty for this weekend's game, plus talk about the history of the Wisconsin-Iowa rivalry and talk about why the Heartland Trophy is in fact one of the stupidest trophies in all of college football. All right, let's jump into the show. All right, welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I have the pleasure of being joined today by Badger quarterback commit for the 2021 class, Deacon Hill from Santa Barbara, California. Deacon, thanks so much for spending a little time with me here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So we're going to talk a little bit about your just sort of, I guess we'll, we'll start off talking about sort of your life as a football player. How old were you when you started first getting into playing football? And was that was that your first love when it came to sports? Um, I was about fourth grade when I started playing. Um, my first love was water polo. Uh, that was my family sport. And I played that since I was like five years old. And then fourth grade came around. I was like, yeah, I'll try out football. So I went to try out and kind of just, you know, once I started throwing the ball around, it kind of just felt like felt right. And it kind of fell in love with it over the next two years. Now, your all of your sisters were water polo players. They play. They played at UCLA, correct? Mm-hmm. All three of them. So, did you sort of? Uh, how was that growing up with in a super competitive athletic family like that? Did they push you a lot? Yeah, they definitely pushed me a lot. And you know, we were all super competitive, so we always wanted to be the best. Um, but it, it definitely helped me having them be ahead of me and learning from all of their. Um, their careers and how they push through adversity and stuff like that. Uh, so having them and being, and then playing at the D one competitive level, it definitely helped. And, uh, with them pushing me too. That's awesome. That's awesome. So are you the youngest in your family? Yeah, I'm the youngest. Oh man. So that's uh so you must've been always, you know, scraping and clawing to try to get up and compete with them, especially, you know, if you were playing water polo against them, I'm sure they were kicking you a lot underwater and stuff like that. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, Abby would come to, are my practices because we need extra players to scrimmage and she'd come in and we'd just go at it. They'd make us guard each other and we'd just go at it the whole time. Yeah, people who don't play the sport don't realize how violent of a game that is. Yeah, it's, it's, it gets nasty. 
<laughs> yeah, it absolutely does. Um, but speaking of football, have you always played quarterback? Did you play quarterback since fourth grade or did you, you know, move around different positions? Um, so fourth grade, I played quarterback and throughout youth football, I always played like linebacker and defense, but fourth grade played quarterback fifth grade. I actually played a running back. The coach's son played quarterback that year. Of course. But of course. When we, when we'd pass the ball, he just, we do a halfback pitch pass and then I'd throw it. <laughs> so he was just the quarterback but, um, to hand off and you were the quarterback. To yeah, the ball. but it was, it was fun. We won the super bowl that year. So it was, it was cool. Um, then after that, it's just been quarterback. Nice. Nice. So then, um, obviously as you grew older, you, you started to realize that you really could be a D one athlete. When did you start getting, you know, interest from colleges? Was it freshman, sophomore year? More sophomore year. Um, Freshman year, coaches would come through, but it's just kind of like they're checking in and then heading to Oxnard or Ventura where all the big guys were. Sophomore year is when it started to pick up a little. Um, sophomore season, I didn't start. So it was, it was kind of rough the beginning of the season. But um, towards the end, I got in games more and more and more just because, you know, we were blowing out or they were beating us by a lot. And then the last two games, our quarterback got hurt. So I kind of had to step in. And then those two games, I got a lot of film, and that's how uh, Wisconsin kind of came after me. For sure, for sure. So, what got you interested in Wisconsin? How you know, you know, obviously they were interested in you, but what made them interest mutual in your part? Was there any particular thing about the school that really stood out to you? Um, I mean, to be honest, I had no idea who <laughs> Wisconsin was, what Wisconsin football was about before they offered me. Um, I know, obviously, I I saw them play in the Big Ten championship games because i'd watch it um the one i always remember was the nebraska game i think it was like 70 to 70 to 31 yeah that one yeah but um it was kind of like they so my coach i started training with coach fisher down in la he had the connection to wisconsin for me and i met him at a camp he was a quarterback coach he's like yo i want you to start training with me i was like okay i got nobody else to train with let's I, I, like I have my head coach here who I've trained with since fourth grade and he's the one who really like founded everything quarterback wise. He, he started everything for me. He's like a second father to me. He we're super, you know, super tight. But, um, I went down there and he coach Fisher contacted Wisconsin for me, called them a couple of times and then had a couple of workouts and sent them the video and stuff. And they kind of just went on, went on from there. And once they offered is when I really started to in like look into what Wisconsin was about. So then what attracted you to the program? The winning, um, the winning, the tradition there, it was kind of hard, you know, it's kind of hard to like feel everything out when it's online. But once I got there in person and we walked around campus, coach Bud Meyer took us around, showed us all the spots and then walked around facilities. I, I mean, it was, it was love at first sight. Um, it was the campus is absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's the capital, so you have that there too, and it's crazy. I mean, I, I look at pictures of it like during nighttime with all the lights on, and it's absolutely stunning. But um, I yeah, just me going there the first time in person is what really like okay, yeah, like this place is like the real deal. It's it's a place I want to be. Yeah, that, that's how I felt. I, I actually I ran track there. Um, and when I came to visit, it was actually April and it was like 75 on an April day, which is super random. Yeah, and it was so gorgeous. And I was like, how could I like want to go 
anywhere else in the country. Exactly. The, 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 you know, it, it was so beautiful. And just, you know, going to the terrace, um, going to the union, mm-hmm. going to travel, just going to see the whole campus was a really, really cool thing. But obviously, as you mentioned, your sisters played at UCLA. Did you feel any pressure to become a Bruin? Definitely. Um, UCLA was my dream school growing up, just because I've been around it since I was seven years old. Um, and I had a cousin who played at UCLA, um, my sister's boyfriend during the time, and now husband is a, was a UCLA football player. And so I always I got to be around the guys kind of. I met all because she was best friends like Brett Hundley, who was the quarterback. Miles Jack, star linebacker, also played running back some plays, which I thought was super cool. Um, Anthony Barr, my sister was good friends with him. Um, so just being around all of them was kind of cool. And so I kind of just like grew up in like, oh, UCLA is like the coolest school ever. But then um, they kind of like, nobody really on the West Coast kind of wanted to take a chance on me. And that's also what attracted me so much to Wisconsin. It was like, they kind of came in out of nowhere. They're like, okay, Deacon, we believe in you. So I was like, okay, I, they believed in me first. So why not? Why would I not believe in them? Yeah, for sure. Um, you were actually uh, speaking of that. You were one of the first guys to commit for the 2021 class. I think you were the third one, the first out of state mm-hmm. player after what uh, JP and Jackson Acker, I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you've been verbal for like a year and a half. And so with mm-hmm. signing day next week, what are your emotions like at the moment? Are you just excited, nervous? Like, how are you feeling about that? It's kind of crazy to realize like, oh, like I'm really about to sign to a university that's like a top 25 football team every year. Um, uh, I'm still figuring everything out with what I'm gonna do for signing day because of COVID and all that stuff. The school, we don't know if I'm gonna be able to bring my best friends if it's at the stadium. So I might go into a park or something because it's it's obviously something I wanna share with my best friends. So motions are kind of like, crazy right now it's like it's been like depressing over the past couple months because i don't have football to play right now uh because california is kind of lagging behind but um this is gonna be like i think it's gonna be like a boost of confidence and a boost of like morale just because it's gonna be a super exciting moment for sure. Do you have uh, a lot of your buddies on your team who are also you know going to play who are gonna be signing as well on uh NLI day? I'm going to be the only one signing. Okay. Um, Noah Wood, one of my best friends, is a D lineman. He's extremely talented. He's just undersized. Um, hopefully, he'll go somewhere. That's what we were waiting. I wanted to wait and sign with them in spring because I wanted to let you know. Growing up, we talked about all signing to college together. But um, Wisconsin said they wanted me to sign in December, which is fine. I get it. Um, plus, eh, well, what's the delay? Like, I'm ready to go. But uh yeah but you're not enrolling so, early or anything you're you, no. you're, you're, you're gonna stay out for the rest if, of your senior yeah year. if we played already then i'd be heading out in a month but since we're not we're still waiting to see i'm gonna um just play it out hopefully send a few prayers see if it happens yeah i i, I hope so I, I know that it's been really tumultuous for you guys in california having you know mm-hmm had that the postponed and now it like even the spring season seems to be up in the air what's the latest from you know in terms of california high school football is there going to be a spring season at all what have you been hearing so see i have just announced had a little statement today to tell us that you know keep hope that we will have a season whether it's altered or not um he says it looking like 
if everything kind of clears up February 15th start date, okay, we could get like a seven, eight game season in, I believe, which is totally fine with me. I, all I have is like one more game, but I mean, there's actually a champ, like a club league going on out here. Oh, interesting. It's called Champions League. It's through this academy called Winner Circle. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have six weeks, six week league of okay. games. And so I'm actually hopping on a team to play in that. Oh, sweet. And so I'm going to play in that. And it doesn't affect my eligibility for my high school season because they're considering it like club soccer or club basketball. Oh, that's really cool. So we, yeah. so will it all be guys from your Santa Barbara high school? or it will be So from- I'm hopping on a team down from like, uh, it's called Primetime Polynesian Sports. Mm-hmm. It's a club team. I went, this is the camp I went to in Utah. Okay. They're putting a team together. And so I'm going to hop on that one. It's down in like Chino Hills kind of area. And so my uncle's one running it. So I'm going to hop on his team. Okay. And, is, it, uh, is it all poly kids? Um, I honestly have no idea who's on the team. They had tryouts, <laughs> but I couldn't go. Um, but I'm excited to see who's on the team. So that'll be fun. I actually have a friend living with, you know, live with me for two weeks to make practices until, cause he's from NorCal. Okay. And it'd be treacherous to oh, like yeah. drive ridiculous 10 yeah. hours to practice. So he's going to stay with me. It's only two hour drive from here. Stay mm-hmm. with me for two weeks until his mom and him are going to buy an apartment for like a month down there during it. Oh, sweet. Be cool. That'll be fun. That'll be really fun. And it'll be, it'll also be interesting for you to sort of have to adapt to working with a new set of players, which is one yeah, of the things you're going to have exactly. to do as soon as you get to Wisconsin as well. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think it's going to help with that and uh, like leadership role. I think that's going to be a cool thing. Plus, there's going to be some serious competition. Um, the number three player in the nation is playing in this league. Really? Corey Foreman. Oh, uh, yeah. He's a D lineman. Uh, yeah, D line outside linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's going like to Oregon, I think, right? Is he committed? Is no, he he's uncommitted. Oh, okay. He's uncommitted. A um, bunch of kids from like modern day, St. John Bosco. And then mm-hmm. there's a bunch of out of state teams that are going to play, which oh, cool. will be cool. So I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Nice. Nice. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And so obviously, like speaking of that leadership role as the quarterback, the quarterback in any class is going to be one of the guys who is sort of one of the leaders trying to, you know, bring everyone together. Um, This 2021 recruiting class is obviously a special one when it comes to Wisconsin history. It's, you know, if you look at, you know, the sites, which, you know, rivals 24 seven, they all have, you know, their issues when it comes to quote unquote rankings and rating people. Yeah. But, you know, if, if you just look at the quality of talent guys that's coming into Wisconsin this year, it's off the charts. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. crazy good. Yeah. Um, obviously you've cool. been instrumental to that in the fact that you've you know, been part of the class for so long. What do you feel like your role is like within the class itself? And what's your relationship like with the other guys in your class? Um, it's cool. We all have a really tight relationship, even though, you know, we, most of us haven't met each other yet. Um, our group chat is really like consistent. Like every day we talk, um, whether it's about sponsor football or we're just like messing around, but, um, I think it's been really cool to, you know, see everything pieced together like that. Um, whether it's one after another, like first Daryl, TJ, Nolan, they all like repeat one after another, uh, Skyler, Marcus. Um, it was just really cool to see all of that happen, especially since I was one of the early commits. I saw it literally unfold from the beginning. Um, we went from me, JP and Jackson to 19 commits. Yeah, so super fast. It's been, yeah, it's, it's just been really cool to see everything kind of piece together and, you mm-hmm. know, get ready for our freshman year. 
Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be awesome. It's going to be uh, speaking of your freshman year, what would you say your your biggest goal is for your freshman season on and off the field? On the field, um just be prepared. Uh freshman Big 10, you know, it's big boy football. So I think just getting everything in the mental game is going to be the biggest part, you know, grasping the offense, grasping all the new reads cuz I'm going to be I run spread out here west coast style pass the ball like 50 times a game offense and i'm changing to wisconsin who's known for the run game but i think they're doing a great job with the passing game this year and opening it up more um and especially adding marcus and skyler i think it's going to open things up a lot so um just changing offenses and changing that style of play is going to be the biggest thing and just learning all of that yeah absolutely i think that you know Obviously, and you know, you're also going to be get to play with guys like Chimery, right? You know, who's a true freshman mm-hmm. this year? Yeah. He's been he's been balling out uh, at yeah, the wide receiver great. as well. So you'll definitely have a chance to play with some some high level receivers. Which you know, just as a fan at this point in my life, it's great to see that they actually have some like big talent at the receiver mm-hmm. position coming yeah. up in the younger classes. Um, off the field, do you know what you're going to be majoring in, and do you know sort of like what your goals are there? I honestly have no clue what I'm going to major in yet. I'm thinking, I don't know. I took kinesiology last year and I really enjoyed it. And I know Wisconsin has a kines major. Um, not really sure. I know I want to coach after my career is over. So I'm going to start looking into things that can help in that background with getting a job for coaching. So still talking it over. Yeah. And kinesiology yeah. and just understanding sort of body movement and how exactly. sort of the body works like that is something that's can be super duper helpful for that. Mm-hmm, um, exactly. So what is the thing like in the actual city of Madison that you're looking forward to? Do you know who you're going to be rooming with yet? I have no idea. They sent out the roommates for early enrollees, but um, I have honestly no idea who I'm going to room with yet. Maybe Daryl, but I don't know. I probably should room with the offensive player. So <laughs> why do you say that? Uh, well, maybe just cause like to start building the chemistry, like if I roomed with Skyler or Marcus, but, uh, me and Daryl are pretty close. I talked to him a lot in the recruiting process with him trying to get him to come to Wisconsin. So. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, who from your class would you say, like, you're closest with at this point? I know that, you know, I had Al Asher on the show recently. He said, because you guys are sort of like the West Coast guys, he's, you've talked a little bit more. Um, but mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, Colorado, not exactly West Coast, but further yeah, West yeah, than yeah, pretty yeah. much everybody else. Yeah. Gonna, like, who else are you, like, who else are you, like, really tight with in the class? Um, I'm pretty tight with Daryl, I'd say. Um, Skyler. Mike Jarvis, actually, we play Xbox a lot together, so that's cool. Um, well, I know he's enrolling early and is going to be rooming with yeah. with TJ. That's what he mentioned. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's rooming with TJ, and then um, I'm pretty close with Hunter. Um, he was like, I think he was one commit after two commits. I think it was loyal, and then him. Um, but we got pretty close over the me recruiting him and trying to get him to come here. So we're pretty tight. It's kind of hard to say like who I'm more tied with because we're all kind of mutually like know each other more. I know, I know Daryl and TJ are pretty close just because they're same like position and all that stuff. But um, I'd say we're all pretty close like together in that sense. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's really good to have that sort of camaraderie, you know. Yeah. Um, you were obviously recruited by Coach Bud. 
um, Coach Bud Meyer, um, but obviously Coach Chris and Coach Rudolph were involved with that. What's the relationship like with those three guys, especially Coach Bud, Bud Meyer? Like, how often are you in communication with them? Um, I, I like to, uh, during season, I kind of give them their space so they can focus on everything. I don't like to take their focus away from me. I'll text them every once in a while, like before a game or something. But um, it's, I have a great relationship with Coach Bud Meyer. I mean, even through the recruiting process, he was super transparent and honest with me. And that's, that's essentially what uh, started attracting me more is because they were truly honest with me and not giving me any like crap saying, Oh, this, this, like a lot of schools do. But, um, and coach Rudolph actually, like when I took my visit to Wisconsin, it was super chill. Like, Obviously they had stuff planned out, but it was like super, just laid back, just have fun. And then when I went to Kansas state, it was super, like, you could tell it was super planned out. And I still had a good time. I really like that coaching staff. They're great people. But, um, I went into the offensive coordinators room and they, he had like a full on PowerPoint. And then with coach Rudolph, me and my dad, they took us into the war room. We were kind of just sitting in the chairs and, uh, Coach Rudolph strolls in and then just sits in a chair and he goes, ah, what's up guys? And it was just like super chill. And he like gave us his card. He's like, I don't know why they give me these shiny cards. Just give me a normal one. <laughs> so it was super cool uh, to meet with him. And uh, I think we have a great, um, great relationship too. I don't talk to him as much, but, um, and then coach Chris, I call him every once in a while just to check in. Um, and when we walked into his office, he was looking out the window there because there was a hawk right on his balcony. And so he was like kind of staring out the window and he turned around and we were in there. He's like, Oh, what's up? So you could just tell it was super chill. And like, he's just a, he's a player's coach. That's what really attracted me to is having that family feeling at a, at a school. Um, well, that's one of the things so, that, you know, you, you hear from a lot of people is that, you know, so many guys on staff, are alums right i mean mm -hmm. coach yeah. chris coach rudolph coach bud coach leonard like all these <laughs> guys played at wisconsin and came back for a reason right and especially yeah. like for you that's got to be kind of cool to see that coach chris as a former quarterback at wisconsin mm -hmm. is you know he spent a lot of his life there in madison and you know he obviously has a lot of other has had a lot of other opportunities but yeah. he you know he's chosen to you know stay in wisconsin and i think that really says a lot about the program mm -hmm. in general um as a quarterback though obviously you know you're coming in two classes after graham mertz who is you know one of the biggest names that the, the school has ever gotten they didn't take a quarterback in last year's class and so you're sort of expected to be like the next dude right you're sort of expected to be like the next guy do you feel any pressure in that sense um i mean i guess i don't really take it as pressure um it's kind of uh one thing i always taught was i met with uh Jim Fossil. Mm. He was a the former Giants NFL coach. coach. Yes. Yeah. He's friends with my grandpa. Okay. So cool. I went and trained with him one time. And when we were pulling up to meet him, one of his friends told us pressure is a privilege. So that's something that's always stuck with me. Um, if you sucked, you wouldn't have pressure. So if you're good, you have pressure. Um, but pressure to me is just, you know, it is a privilege. Like it's, good to know people are like putting that on you because they believe in you and believe what you could become but at the same time you can't let that overwhelm you in the sense that like oh all these people are expecting so much of me and all that 
but I think I've had a good amount of that in my life with my sisters all being D1 athletes and trying to follow that role. I mean, my mom was in, my mom's in the Hall of Fame here at Santa Barbara oh, wow. for the high school. Um, as a water polo player she went as to well? San Mar- she went to San Marcos and was a Hall of Fame basketball player. Oh, okay, wow. And then she walked on to BYU and then that summer started her freshman year. And so she's an All-American there and has her picture up in the like Hall of Fame room. So I think I've had my fair amounts of pressure and expectations. So learning with that growing up, I think really helped me. And especially not starting my sophomore year was truly like humbling. And you know, if I don't start freshman year and I back up Graham, it, I'm just gonna take it as a learning experience and you know, take the ropes when he, you know, hopefully he decide like uh, hopefully his career makes it so he could go pro. I mean, I'm friends with him. He's a really cool guy. So I hope the best for him too. Um, but I, I don't really take anything as pressure anymore. It's just kind of just, you know, part of the game. That's awesome. That, that, that's awesome and good to hear. And definitely the right sort of mentality uh, to have, you know, going into it. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's, we're going to pretty much wrap it up there. So listen, Deacon, thank you so much for, you know, spending a little bit of time with us here today. I really enjoyed speaking with you. I'm excited for you to get on campus and really hope that you have a, a spring football season and we can catch some more highlights of you uh, of you out there. Anything else you want the uh, Wisconsin fans to know about you before we sign off? Um, just get ready for this 21 class to come in. You know, we're, we're going to be a special class. Uh, we talk about it all the time. So just be ready for us to come in. Yeah, you got to be excited that uh, they got some big offensive linemen to protect you too. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a plus. <laughs> yeah, getting Nolan in there at sort of the last minute is sort of the last piece of oh, offensive yeah, line. That was huge. That was crazy. We honestly didn't think we were going to land him. And then you thought he was going to go to Penn State? Well, he, like, was playing with us. He, like, changed his profile picture to him in a Clemson T-shirt, just retweeting <laughs> all this Penn State stuff, and then, boom, he commits to Wisconsin. And he was like, yeah, I did that on purpose. And we were like, dude, like... <laughs> <laughs> that's so. funny that's funny i mean like i mean he's big literally i mean he's six eight he's a giant yeah like, he's literally massive yeah so that's uh that's that'll be the awesome. first time in my life i won't be able to see over my offensive line yeah because so. i mean for a quarterback you're a pretty big dude like you know yeah. i mean you've definitely trimmed down some from between your junior mm-hmm. and senior year didn't you is that something you focused yeah. on like in the offseason yeah, yeah no that was definitely the thing i i had just decided like okay if i want to play at the next level i got to get my body right yeah, and that's got to be, I, I, I'm sure, you know, a, your family's Polynesian, so you definitely had a lot of good cooking uh, around the oh, house, yeah. I'm no, sure. Yeah, that, that was a problem. That was a problem. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, Deacon, thank you so much. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking with you. And uh, until next time on Wisconsin. Thank you. All right. I want to thank Deacon for spending some time with me on the show. And up next is Josh Cook, Big Ten blogger from Big Ten and Counting and co-host of the Legal Motion College Football Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by betonline.ag. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by my best friend in the entire world, avid Iowa Hawkeye fan, my co-host on the Legal Motion podcast, and all-around uh, Big Ten uh, trivia junkie slash genius, Josh Cook. Well, I don't know if I can live up to half that introduction, but it's certainly great to be here. Fun uh, always talking football with you, and uh, thank you for leaving out the fact that I 
have a uh, diploma from Wisconsin as well, uh, yeah, despite well, being an Iowa fan. You're an Iowa fan who has a diploma from Wisconsin. You're my college roommate. You were actually my resident when I was an RA, <laughs> which is how we met each other in the first place. People probably don't really need to hear about that right now. But um, we, you and I have been to a lot of college football games together, including a couple of Wisconsin-Iowa games together, both at Camp Randall and at uh and at and at Kinnick. So and I will say Josh Which stadium that, do you like better? Well <laughs> come on, I can't answer that. I I will say that I will say that <laughs> Kinnick Kinnick is my favorite stadium outside of Wisconsin that I have been to um out of any stadium in the country. And I've been to probably thirty. Probably Ooh. been about thirty college football studios stadiums, give or take. Um you know my uh, uh my feel free to call it biased opinion. Mine is Look, the jump around is unassailable. It's one of the best traditions in college football. But Camp Randall is nothing to look at from the outside. Kinnick Stadium's all brick. Very nice building. Iowa is about 90% filled with its student section for kickoff. And Wisconsin's is about... 45% filled for it, it, it depends if it's a if it's a non-conference 11 a.m. game or if it's a you know if, if it's a night game against Minnesota it makes a little bit of a difference but yes no Iowa student section is definitely more filled before Wisconsin's I will absolutely agree to that um I will also say that some of the best tickets I've ever had at a football game are sitting with you at Kinnick, like right on the 50-yard line um the view there you're not going to get much better than that no, I'm trying to think of some of the best views I've had at a football stadium. Um, I'm kind of at a loss. I, I will say, in all honesty, um, Ryan Field is so tiny; it's hard not to have a bad view. Well, that's how I feel about <laughs> uh, that's how I feel about uh, Memorial Stadium at Vanderbilt. Yeah. It's it's the exact same way, but yeah, Ryan Ryan Field's kind of the same. Uh, Josh, you and I have been to the Rose Bowl together. Um, Rose Bowl's great. Uh, it's wonderful. Those old bowl stadiums do not have a bad seat in the house. No, they really don't. Can see Even everything the, there. The LA Coliseum when we you and I went to what was it like uh, USC versus like Oregon State or something like something that. Something like that. I I love the Coliseum. That is same. that's my favorite Pac-12 stadium without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I like the Rose Bowl a little bit more just for the whole experience, like the mountains around it and everything like that. But, I mean, they're 1A and 1B. The, well, the I thing- love how the Coliseum, they light the torch between the third and fourth quarter. When you see it during a day game, eh, it's not that cool. But when you see it during a night true, game, that's true. Very really true. cool during a night game. Very, very true. So uh, Clemson's Death Valley, I think, is the... Most impressive stadium I've been to, just bar none, um, even more so than the shoe, quite honestly. And the big house? Uh, you know, I haven't been to the big house since they did all their renovations. The last time I was there was before the huge press box and luxury boxes, which evidently traps the sound a little bit better. When I was there, the reputation was the stadium sound just all goes straight up. And players in the field, it doesn't sound like a hundred thousand seat stadium. I mean, your brother is a Michigan alum. I know you've been there, you know, a, a couple times. So, but that actually doesn't surprise me just based on the size of it. You know, I haven't been to Penn State. I've heard Happy Valley is 
you know, an experience, especially if you're there for a whiteout. I would love to see that at some point as well. But, you know, I, we're, I'll, we're not... I'll, I'll give you a I'll give you a dark horse to wrap this up. I, I said it on the illegal motion, but uh, I finally made my debut run to Bloomington a season or two ago. Never been to the town, never been to the stadium. Kind of liked it on TV, the renovations they did in person. Wonderful stadium, great sight lines. Bloomington, fantastic little college town. A great old school uh, downtown right on like the courthouse square. Looks like something out of It's a Wonderful Life. Delicious food there, really good bars. Uh, that was a really fun trip. Yeah, Bloomington's great. I went down and played rugby there once, and we had a blast. Uh, my dad's sister is an Indiana alum, and she moved back to Bloomington a couple of years ago after going back and living in Maine for yeah. 30 or so years just because she missed living in Bloomington. And quite frankly, I don't blame her. Really nice and, city. And you know my Purdue story. so <laughs> Well, P Purdue, Purdue is a different story for a different time. But <laughs> before we jump into our show, we want to remind you guys that uh, we here at Believe in Badger Football are brought to you by betonline.ag. Football season is winding down, and while you may not be at the game this season, uh, especially if you're at a Big Ten game, can't be at them, uh, you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Josh, I do not understand how the Badgers are favored at Iowa this weekend by two and a half. It completely blows my mind. It tells me that the um, it tells me that the sharps or who's ever making the lines, the bookmakers in Vegas, uh, they're not watching Wisconsin football because they put up a grand total of thirteen points, I think, in their last eight quarters of football. So that is uh, not pretty. Yeah, I think sometimes reputation gets uh gets you some of those opening lines and then if there's not enough action one way or another it kind of remains static so uh, as more and more money comes in towards the game i do expect that line to change because before we came on the air matt you mentioned some late breaking badger roster update that when we did our illegal motion show earlier in the week wasn't public knowledge yet i think that's going to sway some people so I expect the good folks over at Bet AG will probably be changing that line plenty of times before we get to kick off. Yeah, I imagine that they will as well. I mean, I think Wisconsin open as a three and a half point favorite. They're already down to two and a half. And with the fact that Dane Davis is going to be out does not help. We'll talk about that a little bit more here in just a second. But no matter who your team is, from game spreads to totals, team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else online. Plus, there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Josh, well, Badgers and Iowa renew their rivalry this weekend, which is obviously why I wanted to talk to you, not just because you're my favorite person to talk football with, but because you are an Iowa fan, born and raised in Iowa City, Iowa. These teams have been playing since 1894. This year's game is going to look unlike any other. It'll definitely have the least amount of uh, attendees that they've ever had uh, at a game. Uh, Iowa comes in ranked number 16, I believe it is. Uh, Wisconsin is number 25. I don't know how they're still ranked. These two teams have sort of had polar opposite seasons. Uh, uh, Iowa started off the season... Uh, not so well playing against uh, and losing to, I believe it was Purdue you lost to in your first game. 
It was. <laughs> yeah. Um, that and that then, loss hasn't held up much? Uh, no, it really, really has not. Um, after that, uh, we saw that Iowa then lost their second game to Northwestern. That loss has held up a little bit. Northwestern's pretty good. I mean, to be fair, we try and lose to Northwestern every year under the Ferentz era, it feels like. Well, since then, you, all, all Iowa's done is rattled off five straight wins. Now, to be fair, none of those teams are over 500 that you've beaten. Michigan State, Minnesota, Penn State, Nebraska, and Illinois. Nonetheless, they're at least beating some of them with style points. Obviously, the Nebraska game was a six-point game, but... But gotta give, you know, gotta give, at least give the margin of victories in some of them. So what has happened? How what has helped Iowa turn it around? Is it just worse opponents, or what? What has been sort of the turning point for this team? Well, it's horrible to admit to this, but it's better offensive play calling. What? I know. No. Crazy, crazy. Um, look, Iowa breaking a new starting quarterback. Obviously, Nate Stanley. Uh, Finished a Wisconsin's own. Yeah, finished a up and down career, a little bit more ups than down. Um, you know, big tough kid, but uh the accuracy, especially on long balls, never really developed as you would have hoped over his career. And uh so we have a new starting quarterback, a sophomore, Spencer Petrus, out of San Rafael, California, set all sorts of prep records. And um, must have shown the coaches a whole lot of stuff in practice because against Purdue, they let him toss it 39 times. That's not really Iowa football. And then Northwestern. Especially in a kid's debut start. Yeah. And then uh, then the Northwestern game. How about an uh-oh moment? 50 attempted passes. That's not a good sign. Uh, since that game, his highest attempt rate was against Nebraska with 30. So uh, they're dialing that back. Uh, he's getting better at reading the field. He's getting a, a better at not going for the home run every time. We're starting to see a really good tight end. I think he's going to be the next great Iowa tight end, Sam Laporta. He's really picked up his rate of catches. And then if you're decreasing pass calls, you're obviously increasing the runs and We've seen Tyler Goodson take advantage of getting some more carries. In those first two games, he had a combined 29 carries. Uh, since then, he's been going up and up and up, including a uh, season-high 30 rushing attempts against Nebraska. Well, yeah, that's the thing. In the last five games, he has 103 carries. Yeah. So, you know, obviously that's a that's a good signing for Iowa. Iowa always has a strong offensive line. And the fact that Sam Laporta, tight end, is leading the team in receiving yards, that's Iowa football. That's what kind of what we expect out of Iowa football, to be honest with you. I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't seen more of Amir Smith-Marset. I think he's one of the most dangerous weapons in the entire conference. And, you know, he's gotten, you know, he has 18 catches and six carries. And through seven games, I mean... That's a total of 24 touches from scrimmage. I know he's still involved in the return game a little bit, but I am still a little bit shocked that they, Brian Ferentz and the rest of the staff haven't been able to get the ball in his hands a little bit more. Yeah, it's almost like they don't really know how to use him. Um, with his speed, it's tempting to have him be your deep threat option, but 
just like his predecessor, Petrus has really struggled with downfield accuracy. Um, and, you know, I think the other aspect, too, is like he's had a weird season. You know, he uh, after the Northwestern loss had a DUI arrest. Um, I think he's probably disappointed with how his senior season started getting zero receptions in that loss to Purdue. Um Coming up short against Northwestern, basically title game aspirations were shot there. Um, so his senior season, disappointment, gets the off-field issue. Sure, that was embarrassing for him and disappointing. And then obviously, I mean, he, he's trying to play college football through a global pandemic. So who knows what his headspace is. Um, you know, he's he's just played a whole lot better, I think, in terms of like his body language and buying in. And, you know, against Illinois, only had four receptions and two rushes, but he's making the most now of his scant opportunities. He had two touchdowns in six touches against Illinois. So I'm with you, Matt. I'm a little confused at why he doesn't have uh, more targets. I'm a little confused why if your quarterback's not great at downfield accuracy, why not do some more screen passes with your best athlete? Why not, you know, have him go over the middle, do some of those rub plays or as the defense likes to call them, pick plays. And, you know, he's fast enough. He can turn a three-yard passing route into a 60-yard play. Yeah. But he absolutely can. Um, you know, Iowa always seems to have a good defense. I think that this year's team is, you know, in, in a lot of ways really no different. They are a top 20 team in the country in total defense, allowing only 326.4 yards per game. To be fair, Wisconsin is number one in total defense in the country, at allowing only 229.2 yards per game, yet they can't score to save their lives in the last two games, which is what has made their last two losses happen, basically. Who now we know Iowa always is going to have good, strong linebackers. Who's leading the team this year? Who is it that Wisconsin fans should be on the lookout for? Well, that is the thing, actually. We had a lot of roster turnover at that linebacker position. And so a lot of people were like, hmm, how is this going to work out? And the big name is their leading tackler, Nick Neiman, at linebacker. Senior linebacker was uh, two on the depth chart most of his career. Uh, 2018 had a uh, kind of a spike with 43 tackles, but then last year uh, didn't play as much. Fell down to 32 total tackles. Shortened season, he's already at 69 tackles, 34 of them solo. He's been all over the field. Uh, the other thing is, obviously, we were replacing A.J. Epinesa, so there was some worry about... Who's now on hmm. my Buffalo Bills. Yeah, so there was some worry about, hmm, how's this defensive line going to be? And Davion Nixon has really stepped up. Obviously, he had that awesome interception uh, pick six against Penn State to seal the deal. And, uh, you know, everyone loves a big man touchdown. But I think what's uh, lost a little bit is he's got 21 solo tackles from the uh, defensive tackle position, five and a half sacks. Um, so he's influencing the game each and every week. Um, he's almost one of those guys that I think we'll start to see him get more and more double teamed as his career goes on. He's just a junior, and I I don't think he broke out enough this year to uh, to jump to the pros and, and throw his name in the NFL draft. But 
crazier things have happened. Yeah, they definitely have. Uh, another place that Iowa has actually been very good this year is on special teams, at least in the punting game. They lead uh, They lead the conference. They are uh, top t- top 10, top 5 in the country in, uh, in net punting, uh, netting almost 44 yards per kick. That's crazy good. So that means that uh, Tory Taylor and the rest of that special teams unit are doing something right. Wisconsin specialists, on the other hand, have not been that strong this year. Wisconsin hasn't had a really hasn't had a kicking game since Rafael Gaglianone graduated as a kicker and hasn't really had a strong punting game in a long time. And, you know, that's come into play sometimes. And we all know that in these big conference matchups, these historical rivalries, that it comes to, a lot of times will come down to special teams. I mean, I think back to gosh, what was it, like 2006 or something like that when Wisconsin blocked Minnesota uh, for the punt uh, punt block uh, return for a touchdown to win the game in, uh, you know, uh, up in the dome in Minnesota, what was the turning point? And I think that could be a real advantage for the Hawkeyes this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the defense, or not the defense, the special team, excuse me. Um, it's been a point of emphasis these last few years when, Iowa dipped a little bit and new Kirk came out. Kirk 2.0 or 3.0 or 4.0, whatever the (laughs) fans are calling. Whatever iteration he's on (laughs) at this point. Yeah, there was definitely a uh, renewed emphasis on special teams. And uh, starting with their place kicker, Keith Duncan, uh, Groza runner up a year ago, probably should have won um, when he had 85% on field goals. Um, his percentage has dipped a little bit this year, um, but that's just because they've trotted him out there for uh, three extremely long 50-plus yarders. Uh, I feel like those almost shouldn't even count. I feel like I it, there needs to be some sort of like logarithmic scale on when it comes to field goal accuracy. Yeah, that you well, get you know extra points for hitting ones over like 45, <laughs> less for under 25, etc. Well, if you take out those three. 0 for 3 on 50 plus. Uh, he is a little uh, 12 of 13. So uh, looking pretty good. Uh, do not want to jinx him, but he has yet to miss an extra point the last two years. And this is a kid who's had a very strange career. Uh, he was actually the starter back in 2016 and then lost his job in camp. And came back last year and burst onto the scene. So uh, easy kid to root for, someone to lose their job and then get it back. Senior this year. Um, I don't know if he's got enough power to uh, to get onto an NFL roster, but he certainly has the accuracy. Uh, so who knows? Maybe the Bears could use him. They never seem to have a kicker. I mean, the Bears could uh, use you and me at this point. <laughs> Uh, and then you mentioned Tory Taylor. Tory Taylor is an interesting story. He's out of Melbourne. Uh, Iowa's finally getting into the uh, Australian kicking game. Yeah, the Australian kicking game. Uh, he's 6'4", 225. So he could so, also be uh, moonlighting as a, an outside linebacker is what you're talking about. Yeah, so he, yeah, so not your um, average punter, to say the least. And then, well, uh, I don't know. I feel like the average punter these days is about that big, considering how many like <laughs> Aussie imports they have. And then uh, last but not least, he is a freshman, which, okay, well, why, well, why is that impressive? Um, he's in his mid 
20s. He's like 26, isn't <laughs> yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, so he's kind of an interesting story, but he's been booming them. Um, just, yeah, he's he's awesome. But then uh, there is another specialist worth mentioning that uh, you did not talk about in your rundown, and that is our fearless, fearless punt returner who... Um, Charlie Jones? Yeah, I don't know what in the world he eats for breakfast, but um, I'm not sure I've seen him call a fair catch this year. He leads the conference in uh, uh, average punt returns. Um, he's getting almost 12 yards per return, which for a punt returner, that is remarkable. He's top 10 in the country for that. Yeah, um, he's got a touchdown as well. He is a transfer from Buffalo. Um, and yeah, I mean... 19 attempted punt returns this year, one touchdown. You mentioned his yardage. And um, like I said, he he <laughs> he's gonna get popped one of these days. Uh, and it might lead to a muff, but it is certainly exciting. Um it's always tough to be like, this is the most exciting returner since this is the most exciting quarterback since. It's really hard to tell, but He's got a little bit of Tim Dwight DNA in him in that he is willing to get popped on a return. Uh, He actually actually did get blown up. Is it because he's a white wide receiver? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's all it is. Actually, he got got absolutely destroyed against Illinois, and it was a muff. But um, when you watch the replay, the Illinois kid uh, hit him and then the, the ball... Uh, bounced off the Illinois guy's helmet and then hit Charlie Jones. So oh. <laughs> uh, they they did the old uh, whatever it is now, Halo rule, catch mm-hmm, rule, whatever mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. they call it. But um, yeah, I mean that's something to watch. Either Wisconsin will uh, will blow him up, or his aggressive nature will maybe let him rip off a return in what looks to be a very defensive minded game. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to this game this weekend just because the Wisconsin-Iowa game is always fun. You know, you're, you know you're always going to see some really good line play. You, Iowa has Alaric Jackson back. We know he's outstanding. Who else is up in for Iowa this year on the offensive line? Who's been the most impressive offensive lineman for the Hawkeyes outside of Jackson, who we know is probably a potential first-rounder for the NFL? Oh man, you you made it hard by not letting me do uh, Alaric Jackson. Well, but... I mean that, that's the that's the obvious one, dude. I, I mean... know, but but sometimes the obvious one. Well, is then talk always, about Alaric Jackson. Is He's awesome. Right no, 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 no. You you framed it. You framed it uh, that way. Um, hmm. I mean, there, there's always a bunch of dudes who have more consonants in their names than I can, you know, than, than I can talk about. <laughs> That's true. Um, you know, one one name that popped into head, my mind, not even an offensive lineman, just uh, a player that's been blocking really well each and every time he's been in there is our fullback, starting fullback, Monty Potterbaum. Uh, 6'1", <laughs> that's a great name. Yeah, 6'1", 244. He wears a little neck roll. Um, he's been really good. Uh, at creating some running lanes. Uh, he's caught a few balls out of the backfield. He actually looks like the way Wisconsin usually uses their fullback. Um, but I like that really, you have I like that you have Potterbaum and Linderbaum. 
I know. Yeah, Linderbaum's played played well. Um, you know, in reality, I think one of the things that is so nice about this offensive line is, yeah, Alaric Jackson's the star, but it's really been a collective work effort. Um, you know, there's been years in the past where it's like, okay, we got the one stud and we have the second guy who's really good and all right, I guess we'll be running behind them all year. Um, one of the reasons the running game has come on is the whole offensive line has really gelled a lot more than I think Iowa fans were expecting. We really thought it was going to be Alaric Jackson and a big fat question mark for everything else. But um, the line has gelled and it's almost, you know, you hate to say it, but it's almost like a no man offensive line where they're just getting the job done. Uh, it's not, you know, I know Wisconsin football and pass will have like the megastar where it's like everyone in the entire conference knows who Joe Thomas is. But um, outside of Larry Jackson, no single Iowa player has really stepped up in that way. They're just going out there and being efficient and getting their job done. Yeah, which is kind of what scares me about this team. And Wisconsin, fortunately for them, you know, obviously their defense is outstanding. They are number one in the country in total defense, rushing defense, and passing defense. I mean, you know, and uh, they are second in scoring defense. They're giving up 12 points per game. The offense, on the other hand, uh, leaves a little something to be desired, and the turnover ratio really leaves something to be desired for the Badgers. I am looking forward to the first official start of Jalen Berger this weekend because Jalen, the true freshman from northern New Jersey, Don Bosco, uh, Don Bosco, St. Don Bosco, John Bosco, Don Bosco. <laughs> it's one of those Boscos. Um, either way, he is the next great New Jersey running back to play for Wisconsin. He has already proven that he is far and away the best back on this team. I am very excited about that. I am excited to see what they are going to be able to do with him truly being the bell cow for this team. Um, I have been as great as Graham Mertz worked on his first couple of weeks. The last two games we've seen against Northwestern and Indiana, his footwork has been terrible. I mean, he's throwing off his back foot. He is getting the ball out. You know, I, I feel like he's almost what I don't know if he's like seeing ghosts or hearing ghosts or whatever, but he just his rhythm is not there. And that's why obviously going up against Iowa, who has that scary line in Van Valkenburg, I think. Is, is that how you pronounce the name? Van Valkenburg? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those dudes scare me, man. Like they really, really scare me. And I would, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I hate to use the cliche throughout the records, but flip and throw out the records, man. Like this is a game that it doesn't matter. Like m one of my worst memories as a Badger fan, Josh, is a game that you and I went to together. <laughs> uh, Barry Alvarez's last home game yeah. as the head coach. Your freshman year, my sophomore year of college, you and I went together. We were living on the same floor of the Towers dorms. And we went together to the game and you were wearing your Iowa gear and I was wearing obviously my Wisconsin gear and Iowa won. And I was so upset about it. And even though that Wisconsin team was so much better than that Iowa team, it didn't matter. Right. It did not matter that 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 2005. Well, 
look, we couldn't send Hayden Fry's old assistant off a winner. Got to got to remind him where his roots are. Come on. Yeah. Well, you know I that. mean, fortunately, Paul Chris never coached for Hayden Fry. That's all I have to say at this there point. You go. Because between between Barry and Bert, um, you know, and then oh god, the Anderson years. Oh god. Hey, Anderson. Anderson had nothing to do with Iowa. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he did, they would have disowned him by this point. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you, it, you bring up Berger, and he's been so impressive uh, the last few games. What is hopeful as an Iowa fan is they are not letting him run the ball very much. Just 15 carries per game. I love it. He's had 15 exactly every game. Like, does he have a uh, a play limit or something? Does he have a pitch count? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're asking? I don't know. And, and, I mean, I hope not. I, I hope not. I think yeah. that in the last couple of weeks, you know, especially after the Indiana game, Paul Chris came out and said that obviously that Berger has earned himself more touches. Yeah. And you're darn right he has. He's averaging six yards a carry. No one else is averaging better than four, yeah. especially the other two guys who are really running the ball in Watson and in Groshek and Groshek, God love him, man. Like God love Garrett Groshek. Like, you know, he is your quintessential like Wisconsin walk on player, but Jalen Berger is just so much more naturally talented and gifted than either of those guys. Watson was a great high school tailback in Texas, set all sorts of records, but he does not have the speed or the vision. Watson's a power back. Watson yeah. is Watson is is PJ Hill 2.0, whereas Berger is much more has the body type of Melvin Gordon. And Berger reminds me a lot of Melvin Gordon in the way that he runs. He's all he's you know a little bit more upright, but he can, you know, he can make one or two moves and make guys miss. And I would like to see Berger get way more involved in the passing game. Well, I don't man. know. One thing I wanted to ask you about is, you know, you asked me about Iowa's offensive line. Um, Mertz has been sacked three times against Indiana, three times against Northwestern. Mm -hmm. uh, is that him or is something going on with this pass? So protection? there's three things going on against Indiana. Their Wisconsin was playing after the first quarter, their fourth string true freshman two star recruit center Tanner Bordellini. Nice kid. I mean, he seems like he's going to grow. I mean, he earned a scholarship to Wisconsin to play offensive line. So he's no slouch. But he's also the fourth string true freshman center. So that was that's one problem. Second problem is that the is, is that Mertz since the Michigan game, his decision making has really just not been there. Just really has not been there. The third thing is that some of the running backs, Isaac Garendo in the first game, um, and some of the backs not named Garrett Groshek, are just not great in pass protection. And they have to run tight end Jake Ferguson out on routes. They have to. He's their most effective receiver, especially with the fact that they basically missed Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor for the last two games. Now, and so what we're basically looking at then for a wide receiver core 
is two walk-ons and a true freshman in Chimery DK plus Jake Ferguson, the tight end. And so if you can't leave Ferguson, the tight end, in to help block, then you're running two walk-ons, uh, one of whom is about 5'7", the other one who is about 5'9", uh, out running routes. They're not going to get open. Chimery DK is a true freshman and has a lot of potential, but he's not, you know, he's not a seasoned veteran. Pryor and Davis, especially Davis just has a knack for getting open, especially on third downs. Davis has routinely impressed me ever since he was a true freshman and Davis missing last game. And now they announced he's going to miss this game too. And that I think is probably the most important offensive piece that they needed to really be able to step up because he offers in many ways. I mean, if Jake Ferguson is the security blanket, Danny Davis is the reason that security blanket is there because defenses have to pay attention to him because he might not be the fastest dude in the world. He might not run by you, but he's such a precise route runner and has such good hands. He goes up, he makes every contested catch. I swear, you know, if you throw it to him in double coverage, it's 70, 30, he's coming down with it. So I feel like without Danny Davis and with prior being game time decision, we're going to get another situation where it's the two walk, the two senior walk-ons and Krumholtz and Dunn and God bless them. They're great run blockers. They play hard, but I'd be surprised if Dunn is a quarter of an inch taller than five, seven mm. and Krumholtz is a little bit bigger, but he's still, you know, he's a run blocking wide receiver. And Chimery DK is is the threat there, but that has been part of the problem that Wisconsin has no one in the sophomore and no one in the junior class to play receiver. You know, the guys that they the guys who should be juniors right now, Cade Green, Emmett Perry, those guys have been busts. Aaron Cruikshank transferred to Rutgers after having two years of being an exceptional kick returner. He now at Rutgers got a waiver to play immediately. He's leading the Big Ten in kick returns. He's a great, great returner. As fast as they come, super quick. He's a guy that could play on Sundays just because of his kick return ability. But that's all that's what he is. He's a returner. He's not he he's not a guy who's gonna be able to play in you know, he he's not gonna be able to play, especially on the outside. AJ Abbott and Taj Mustafa, who are, you know, redshirt sophomores now. I would have hoped to have seen something from them, but we haven't. So, you know, true freshman Shimmery DK is kind of what they have. And he's the best in-state wide receiver from the state of Wisconsin since at least Nick Toon. I actually probably say definitely since Nick Toon, um, if not from before that. So, you know, I think that Wisconsin's offense has been decimated by injury, especially at the wide receiver position. And that has just allowed defenses to just completely key in on the run game and not be able to, to sell out and bring six guys and overwhelm the offense, which has led to, you know, panic throws by Mertz, uh, off balance throws by Mertz and sacks on Mertz because the offense just doesn't know the offensive line, especially, you know, can't handle it. If you have a four string center, 
shifting around the guards. We saw John Deedson start at right guard in the first game. He's, he's knocked over to left guard. They brought Logan Bruss down from right tackle to right guard, inserted Tyler Beach at right tackle, all because of an injury to Josh Seltzner. And, you know, I'm I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little bit underwhelmed by the offensive line this year. Cole Van Landen's been outstanding. The left tackle, he's been, you know, uh, which is a surprise to no one who's watched the program. Cole Van Landen is a very, very good left tackle, even by Wisconsin standards, even by Wisconsin standards. He's a very good left tackle. Uh, he's definitely the best left tackle they've had since Ryan Ramchick. But, you know, besides that, the offense, the rest of the offensive line has been underwhelming. Logan Bruss, who I expected to be, you know, far and away the second best lineman behind Van Lannan, has not done much for me this year. He is a much more athletic guard than we're used to. We're used to Bo Benchall, who is a mauler, but has, you know, uh, cement in his feet. And Logan Bruss is supposed to be this more athletic guy, and he's just been underwhelming for me so far this season and Tyler Beach sort of has that lead foot thing as going as well uh, there was no communication on one of the sacks against Indiana where the uh, they had a blitz coming from the outside of corner blitz and just no Beach did not pick him up at all and that caused a sack fumble for Mertz where Indiana picked it up and that was one of the big turning points in the game because you could tell with having Bordellini in there at center, they just had nothing. They had poor communication on the offensive line. They had, you know, nothing else going on there. And you also have to give a little you know, kudos to Tom Allen for having a great defensive game plan against them, a great defensive game plan against Wisconsin. Well, you know, Iowa doesn't change much from their base defense. Is that going to be a good defensive game plan against Wisconsin? Yeah, because I don't think without without Davis and with a limited prior, I don't really think that Iowa needs to change much. Yeah. So, but let's talk about the history of this game a little bit. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about this rivalry because, you know, I've been following Wisconsin football now for 20 years, you know, give or take, maybe a little bit more. Ever since I, you know, started getting interested in college football in the mid '90s, and really, especially, I remember actually watching that. What was it? It was the '98 or '99 Rose Bowl against UCLA uh, for Wisconsin. And my uh, my dad's best friend, Denim, uh, which is a, a great classic state of Maine name, Denim. Um, D-E-N-H-A-M. Uh, we watched uh, on New Year's. We would go watch the Rose Bowl. He was a UCLA alum. And so we would go watch. They had a big New Year's party. We'd go watch the Rose Bowl at his house. And he was rooting for UCLA. So naturally, I had to root for Wisconsin. And I watched Ron Dane run amok uh, against that one. But so I've been following Wisconsin, you know, since the late late 90s, I guess you would say. And the Iowa game has always been way more of a rivalry than Minnesota because in my years following Wisconsin, I think Minnesota's won twice. Maybe. Maybe yeah. three times, something like that. Whereas Wisconsin-Iowa every single year is an absolute slugfest. And I think that this is a fascinating, fascinating game because especially if you think about sort of like, I don't want to say like spiritually, but at least in terms of philosophy, Iowa and Wisconsin resemble each other more so than almost any two other teams. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the numbers kind of play that out just to give you some numbers to show you how close they are. Uh, Wisconsin's win percentage is 585 historically. Iowa's is 541. Iowa, by the way, has the hilarious. They're they're currently sitting at 666 <laughs> wins. <laughs> um, conference championships, Wisconsin has 14. Iowa 13. Bowl games, Wisconsin 31. Iowa 33. Bowl winning percentage, 516 for Wisconsin at 16, 15, and 0. Iowa right next to them, 17, 15, and 1. So those numbers are identical. Wisconsin's 32 to 28 consensus All-Americans. Those are essentially identical. Two Heisman winners from Wisconsin, one for Iowa. Draft picks, 286 for the Badgers, 260. To be fair, Iowa should have two because Chuck Long should have won the Heisman. Or Brad Banks. Either one. Or Cal Jones. Iowa's had the most runners up in college football history. Have they? I thought Stanford had. Uh, oh, Stanford's might have clipped us now with Toby Gerhardt and Toby Gerhardt and Andrew uh, Christian Luck. McCaffrey. Yeah, and Andrew, Andrew Luck, Luck. and uh, did Bryce Love was he was he a runner up as well? I don't think he was. Um, but yeah, Stanford's might have clipped us there. Um, but uh, draft picks very very similar two eighty six to two sixty two. Uh, first round draft picks thirty to twenty three. Weeks at the AP poll, 405 for Wisconsin, 338 for Iowa. Really, their only differences has been the ceiling of the programs. Um, uh-huh. Wisconsin has just one lone week at number one in the country. Iowa's got 11. And uh, Natty's zero for Wisconsin, five for Iowa. So uh, w- when Iowa puts it all together, we we really put it together. But... Um, so those numbers almost identical. And then overall in the series, Wisconsin leads at 48, 43 and two. And a big part of that is Wisconsin is seven and one over the last eight. Mm-hmm. Um, really the big, the big streak in this series, um, Wisconsin, Wisconsin got Iowa pretty good in the first half of the series, but, um, yeah, up through about, you know, up through the mid sixties, it was pretty yeah. much wisconsin but then uh, especially in the 70s it flipped uh and iowa basically won for 20 straight years yeah 1977 to 1996 iowa won every year but one there was a tie tie. yeah um what's interesting about this game is um like you said it's always a slugfest and it's a really good rivalry but what makes it to me such a fascinating rivalry is I don't feel like either fan base despises the other. No, not at all. There, there's I feel like there's lo- so much mutual respect. Yeah, there's a lot of respect there. I mean, obviously, Barry coming from Hayden's staff, the fact that both programs went through lengthy doldrums. Um, you know, Iowa in the 60s was awful. And Wisconsin in the 80s was awful. So, I mean, there's that mutual respect. And I think one of the things that really gives rivalries their nasty edge when they're like are legitimate, a hatred rivalry is when there's a perceived difference in the programs. And one of the reasons why Iowa and Wisconsin are so focused on Minnesota every year and why that's still the biggest rivalry, I think, for both fan bases, is 
they are the Golden Gophers because they won a whole bunch of national titles and they were the gold standard. That's how they got that name, that they're golden decade. And I mean, you had like Bernie Bierman and stuff. And let's be honest, Iowa and Wisconsin were envious of the Gophers. Oh, absolutely. What was and, that, the 30s, 40s, 50s? Yeah. yeah, like. And and so there's that chip on our shoulders. And now that Iowa and Wisconsin have both dominated Minnesota since you know, the 70s for Iowa and for Wisconsin, obviously, the last 20 years. Um, there's a little bit of, you know, Minnesota pushing back on it. Minnesota has a chant that goes, who hates Iowa? We hate Iowa. They do it against every opponent, even when they're not playing Iowa. It makes no freaking sense. Um you know, we just it, so it's a different rivalry. This game, to me, this game is both fan bases really like the workmanlike style of play that both teams embody. And th- so there's this respect and a like, I hope this is a good game. I hope this, I don't think either fan base wants this game to come down to, oh, hey, we won it because our opponent had 20 penalties. And 200 yards of penalties. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Whereas, hey, if we do that against Nebraska, that's just hilarious. <laughs> Very true. Or do that <laughs> against Illinois. It's kind of what's become expected. Here's the other thing. You don't need 200 penalty yards to beat Illinois. <laughs> no. Well, on, on top of that, I feel like a lot of Wisconsin fans, I feel like I'm a little bit of an outlier because, you know, you're my best friend and an Iowa fan. But... I will always root for Iowa to do well every week. They're not playing Wisconsin. I want Minnesota to lose every single football game that they take part in. (laughs) And I feel like that's the difference. And I feel like that's the difference. And I feel like that is one of the reasons why the Heartland trophy is one of the dumbest trophies in all of college football, because a, it's not like it had, there's a tradition, Josh. Off the top of your head, what year was the Heartland Trophy introduced? Is this the tenth time it's been played for? No, this this will actually be the seventeenth <laughs> time it's been played for. <laughs> well, there you go. Fifteenth uh, time it's been played for. It was introduced <laughs> in two thousand four. Uh, Wisconsin Iowa didn't actually play in two thousand eleven and two thousand and twelve, so that makes it it should be the seventeenth. So but is that the, the good uh, legends and leaders right. era, you know it. <laughs> so that makes it the fifteenth time it's been played for. It's not a real trophy. It's not a. Real, I'm sorry, it's not a real trophy. There, there should be, if there had been some sort of real trophy. Let's say maybe instead of having a giant pig, maybe a slab of bacon, which was actually the original trophy for Wisconsin and Minnesota before Paul Bunyan's axe. Uh, it was actually played for a slab of bacon. Um, that would make more sense. The Heartland Trophy itself, though, is idiotic. Well, it's idiotic for three reasons. First of all, all the great trophies have a backstory, backstory. to them. Yeah, Floyd of Rosedale, the governor's bet on a pig and having a live pig pass around each year was challenging. The Paul Bunyan's axe, they lost the original trophy. Let's put something together. Uh, the Purdue uh, cannon with Illinois was like just some random fan had a cannon that like the other school stole. Um, so they all have a great story. 
even this the has, little brown jug. Yeah. You know, the, the little brown jug was actually a jug of fielding Yosts for Michigan. Yeah. Um, this has no such story. Second thing is it looks like the Merrill Lynch bull. <laughs> so it right away just feels cheap because you're like, Incorporate, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. So bad design contributing to the bad design is they I think they did they finally take them off. I can't remember. But for a really long time, they had plaques on there to fill in the scores of the game. And it's like you put in enough space for like a hundred some games played and you, you this is the second time you've played it. So there's like 98 blank spl- slots. It doesn't look good. So dumb design. And then just the materials. It's like super shiny. The old trophies have been passed around. They've been touched by thousands of football players <laughs> over their history. And they're all grimy and disgusting. Floyd of Rosedale is, I don't even know what its original material is. The paint I don't know if I on Paul Bunyan's axe is all like chipped in places. Mm-hmm. This is a shiny gold blah. <laughs> I mean, it's a gold. I think it's a brass, isn't it? Brass. What? Whatever. It's. You know what? It stinks. It stinks. It's not. And, it's not the worst trophy game for Iowa, though. We we do have one worse. Uh, let me guess. Uh, the one with Nebraska. The Heroes Trophy. Well, and you well, you know what Nebraska and Wisconsin play for. I have no idea. I didn't know that they added a uh, trophy to that <laughs> it's one. like the Freedom Trophy or something like that. The Freedom Trophy. It's, uh, huh? w- what do they call it? It's the, uh, it's the Freedom something. It's the, free- yeah, the Freedom Trophy. I was right. It's a Freedom Trophy, which started in 2014. The, what even is the Freedom Trophy? I just Googled uh, it. It looks like go. a, the trophy itself like a, is made of bronze and features image of both teams' football stadiums with the American flag in the center. That's the American. The pictures that I saw kind of looked like a uh, like a big shawarma thing where they they pull down the meat. You know what? That would be much more effective uh, and a lot more um, interesting. Since the Freedom Trophy was introduced in 2014, Wisconsin has never lost. So. I mean, that, that's not a surprise there. How's the conflict trophy going? That's what I want to know. You the, remember that? The conflict trophy. You don't remember the conflict trophy? I can't say that I do. Oh, this was this was a high point of stupidity with uh, <laughs> with trophy games. Uh, while at Connecticut, Bob Diaco wanted oh yes. wanted to like rally the troops against Central Florida. So conflict, like the F and the L and the C and the T were were like capitalized. Uh, UConn won it the year it debuted. The next year they lost it and they left it like on the sideline at Central Florida Stadium. Central Florida didn't bother to pick it up. The trophy I don't think has been seen since. I mean, I think they played a total of four times. Yeah, well... I mean, I don't. Oh, God, that's so bad. That's bad. <laughs> um, I mean, there, there are some questionable trophies out there, but that's that might be the worst. Is that the worst? 
Well, it's not long. It's not around anymore, so I don't think it can be the worst. The I'll, I wonder what other defunct trophies there are out there because that sounds like a great short punt. It does. For those well, of you, you know out there what? who don't know what we're talking about, the short punt is our off-season illegal motion college football podcast shows where we delve into the. Uh, I I don't even know what the word is. Strange, uh, unique, uh, off the beaten path stories and things from college football past. Well, the uh, the best of the new trophies. So within the last five to ten years of these kind of manufactured ones, or even going as far back as fifteen to twenty years. Really, the only one that's worked, I think, is the Nebraska-Minnesota one. Do you remember that one, Matt? Vaguely, but I I do my best to not look at Minnesota when they're not playing Wisconsin. So it was one of the kind of blah seasons of uh, Minnesota football, and it was middle of the Bo Pelini era, and that great Twitter faux Pelini, like tweeted at the golden gophers official tweet twitter feed about like like you know this game's pointless how about the winner gets uh five dollar bits of broken chair and uh goldie was like sounds good and then the minnesota like spirit squad put together a trophy that was like a fake looking crappy chair that was all broken apart and they played for it and Minnesota won and like celebrated and they thought it was kind of funny. And then the next time it was still out there, like Minnesota brought it to the next game. And now there is a real trophy for it. And they play for a chair itty. So like you can donate five dollars to a charity that the University of Minnesota or the University of Nebraska is sponsoring. See and that's they have, that's wonderful. And they that's have actually that see yeah. that works. And they that have works. a they have a hilarious trophy. It's because that's an organic backstory yeah. that a is it's funny. It raises money for good causes. Team Jack Foundation, Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital, you know, and it is like I said, like it's organic. It's the the freaking Heartland Trophy is the exact opposite of that. Yeah. If you go to brokenchairtrophy.com, it's got pictures of it, the origin of it, the foundations that the schools are playing for. And so, I mean, they took, you know, a story for the 20th century or 21st century, a dumb Twitter thing, and it grew organically. And let's be fair, that's the modern day version of the random Purdue fan that left his cannon out by his car tailgating in the middle of 1920 and some Illinois fans stole it. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. The one trophy I will not ever understand is the Illibuck. Why do Illinois and Ohio state play for a turtle trophy? But uh, that feels like a story for a different day. I mean, the the Illibuck and the, the states don't even border each other. It yeah, makes I no mean, sense. It ma- it makes no sense. So, well, why did do, why does Indiana and Michigan State play for a sp- spittoon? 
Bra- old brass spittoon. Yeah. Why is there an old oaken bucket? I mean, why is there a land grant trophy? That one's pretty bad. So I think we're going to leave it there for, uh, for this episode here of believe in Badger football, but hope you guys have enjoyed our trip down trophy memory lane, our preview of this weekend and just our overall ridiculousness. Cause this is as about unfiltered as we get about college football. So, uh, Josh, thank you so much for uh, spending an hour here with me today. Yeah, it was a blast being on. Uh, you've been crushing on your radio hits. Uh, remind all your listeners where you, they can listen to you on Saturday mornings. Yeah, 97.3 The Game, Milwaukee. You can check it out on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, I'm always on exactly three hours before kickoff of every Badger game. So, uh, until next time, Josh, uh, you're going to have to say this with me, man. On Wisconsin. I have to say it. Uh, I mean, uh, I'll say it if you let me do one thing. Okay, what's that one thing? I'm going to ask all the Wisconsin fans to retire the dumb chant of what's a Hawkeye. The mascot is named after a literary character, Hawkeye, from Last of the Mohicans. So you're essentially admitting that you haven't read James Fenimore Cooper's classic American novel. Or seen the movie. Uh, The movie is amazing. I show that to my students every quarter, basically. (laughs) Both the movies are really good. The silent version and the... uh, The silent version is uh, questionable for 2020. Um, I don't think... I think you could say that about most silent films. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I also uh, show them Birth of a Nation, so... But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm an alum. I can say on Wisconsin. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can say on Wisconsin. I can sing varsity. And I can say uh, I can say in every other game of the year, go Hawkeyes. There we go. Because I yeah. What's a Hawkeye is a stupid chant. Um, Another (laughs) uh, I I will. You know, I love Wisconsin so much. I love, you know, it's my alma mater. It is. I live and breathe and die, you know, Cardinal and red, you know, Cardinal and white. There are some really dumb chants in the student section. I'm sorry. There are some really stupid chants in the student section. And Josh, you know as well as I do, the best <laughs> student section at Wisconsin is not at football games. It's at hockey games. It is at hockey games. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, Wisconsin hockey games are, as as a fan, at least as a student fan experience, are... They're the best. You're not going to beat a Wisconsin hockey game for the combination of chants, dances, and uh, random things. If you go four years at Wisconsin, or five, or six, however long it takes you, no shame in any of that. But if you go whatever amount of time you're at Wisconsin and you don't go to a hockey game, you haven't You've missed out on something special. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the the in-game experience in terms of the big three sports, hockey one, football two, basketball three. I think that's I yeah. think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah. I mean, the Kohl Center is a just phenomenal facility. That is that's one of the Big Ten's just premier basketball and hockey venues. Oh, it really is. It absolutely is. I think I but I, I do think that it, it's way thing. better than Carver Hawkeye. Yeah, I mean, I wish that the wrestling team though did more did more 
did more uh, matches at at Cole oh, Center. And so oh, don't don't get me started on wrestling. That's one of the biggest disappointments of COVID. We were we we're going to win a national title. We're about to get the monkey off our back and get the title back to Iowa City, where it should belong. Where where, where it naturally belongs. Well, um, you know, I I saw that uh, Dan Gable just got the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Did you <laughs> read that? Sto- did you read that story? <laughs> no. I, I sent it to you. Dan Gable getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom in the middle of ceremony. Trump walks out and doesn't come back. <laughs> I, I missed that. Yeah, I, I I thought I texted that to you, man. No, I, I, uh, don't, I don't think you did. Oh, I, I could have sworn I could right. have sworn that I sent that to you because I thought it was so ridiculous. Yeah, I sent it's I, I sent it to you on Tuesday as a tweet. <laughs> yeah, oh, so I, I missed it. I'll let you check that out. All right, guys. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much again for tuning in to Believe in Badger Football. And uh, like Josh said, and like I said earlier, until next time on Wisconsin. Thanks, Matt. Of course. Good talking to you, buddy. Always. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.